welcome to Minute 65 of Season 3 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off this week is the famous author of the academic article about Die Hard called John McClane's origin story, understanding Die Hard as film adaptation of Roderick Thorpe's Nothing Lasts Forever, which can be found in the International Journal of Literary Humanities. So the author is Andrea Loaf. Welcome back to the show, Andrea. Well, thank you for that glowing introduction. Now I feel like everyone is going to come asking me, you know, or asking you for for to read that article because it's behind a am I allowed? But I've am got I allowed? that PDF. Am I allowed yeah, to send it to people? PDF. Sure, okay. if they want to read it, they can read it. That's I, I think you want royalties. My liberties of, as, as an author is I can, I can share it with, with whomever I want. If someone really wants it and wants to get in touch, then they really want to read it. The people All who right. pay, pay for the articles are the people that can afford to pay or are, I don't know, maybe less knowledgeable of the fact that academics always want you to read their stuff. And so they will give it to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, that works. Why not? All right, so minute 65 begins with John saying Roy and ends with Dwayne Robinson trying to explain the fallacies of Powell's logic. <laughs> so yesterday we ended off with uh, having a, a, a opening salvo of conversation between uh, John and Al, where the two of them are starting to become a little bit uh, closer in everything that they say and do. So basically, this minute continues that because, you know, Al asked how he should refer to John. And since John doesn't want to give away his real name, you know, John Gennaro, uh, <laughs> he just tells him, call me Roy. Yeah. So, you know, now, now, now uh, Al knows how to refer to him. So he goes, well, listen up, Roy. If you think of anything else, you think we need to know, don't be shy, okay? In the meantime, find a safe place to hole up and let us do our job. Understand? So I, I actually have a problem with, with this dialogue because Al is very condescending to, to Roy at this point. You know, he's, he, he suspects that Roy is a cop. Mm-hmm. And that he, you know, he's 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 a badge, as he'll say. Uh, yeah. I think on Monday he basically will say that. But you know, he's basically saying to him, "All right, we're going to take care of everything. Don't worry about it. We don't need your." He's he's implying that we don't need your help. Yeah. Even though he knows that he needs that needs his help, he's like, "Okay, Ellie's finances are on it, so don't worry about it." Yeah, so and I, I think that's that procedural look at following the rules, and John does not follow the rules, but Al is a little more. I guess coloring within the lines it, or he appears that's the air that I get from Al, especially when, you know, he shows up in the second movie as well. And, um, <laughs> I right. those quotes, but I, cause are you peeing into someone else's pool? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yes. That quote. Um, because he knows that he, that the police are supposed to be on it. You know, they're not supposed to have someone helping them in there. So it's, you know, it's just kind of saying it because that's what's supposed to be said, I guess. Okay. But on the other hand, he knows how uh, essential it is for them to have someone on the inside here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is not your typical situation. 
No, not at and, all. And Al is one of the few people here who understands the, the gravity of everything that's happening around them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, we, we talked earlier this week, and I've talked many times about it over the course of, of all the episodes till now. Mm-hmm. How everyone is just, uh, you know, brushing off the fact that there are terrorists who have taken over a building and someone has notified the authorities about it. You know, yeah. there, there, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I had a train of thought here with John and Al. What was it? Oh, like the the whole fact that they're on a party line. He can't, you know, Al can't quite plan out everything. Like tell John, oh, we need you to go do this because people are listening. So it's, you know, he kind of just has to let John do his own thing without any sort of direction. And, you know, he can give the company line of, you know, don't do anything because we are on it. But anything no but i think i think he's being sincere though he's not he's not just saying it to to, you know for 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 the party line i mean you mentioned the party line aspect of it i mean they should give us a shot of of leo of theo listening in you know also Mm -hmm. like why why do we need to i mean is this just to once again say that okay theo has stopped working because he's listening to what powell is saying to john I, i don't know i don't know I, I yeah. do think he, that Al does mean it, but I think also he means it, but he knows there's not much else he can say. Right. Yeah. Right. And while he's doing this, there a, a, a young cop next to Al is starting to uh, tend to his bleeding forehead, you know, which which Al doesn't look very happy that they're doing that. Yeah. You know. That's always a thing. They're all, they never want medical attention. These, these rugged masculine characters it's just you would any call sort of Reginald Vell Johnson's character uh masculine and rugged I just I don't not know not particularly his character but just the the archetype of that era of like what it means to be a man is not to accept help even if you're bleeding from your head no it's just a little bit of blood you know just a flesh wound That's, yeah exactly <laughs> yes Monty Python <laughs> Always got to make that reference. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, one of the things that Al says is he says, uh, you know, find a safe place to hole up. Mm-hmm. Now, I always thought that that phrase was hold up. You know, I mean, I, I, I understood it to mean the same thing, but I never thought mm-hmm. about the fact that it was to hold up. Yeah. Right. To kind of get in. I'm I'm thinking now of like a foxhole or, you know, just like a. Right. <laughs> so the less less uh, formal hidey hole <laughs> right correct exactly so i i looked it up to see what the word what the phrase hole up means and it's to hide out in or as if in a hole or a cave which then makes sense to hole up mm-hmm. as opposed yep. to it or it could be a to place in or uh, as if in a refuge or hiding place hmm. so no i mean it makes sense that, that that's what yeah. it is So at this point, uh, we we then see a car come behind him. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry. Before that, uh, you know, oh, as yeah. uh, after Al says to him, "Understand." So McClay goes, "They're all yours, Al." And and then at this point, we we see that Theo uh, basically stops listening and continues to drill. And then we mm-hmm. see a shot of the whole construction area around them, and we see a car show up, and you know, mm-hmm. it, 
you know, a cop is walking around uh, quite casually and then another car shows up and like slams on the brakes and two people get out of it. And then we, we have this new character that shows up played by Paul, Paul Gleason, yep. you know, uh, fame of the, the breakfast club. That's probably his most famous yep. uh, role besides his role here. Okay. And I, mm-hmm. I love the conversation between the two of them, you know, which, which we're going to get cut off at the end of today and we're have to continue with next week, but it's still, it starts off really well. You know, he, he gets out and he goes, all right, who's talking to them? I am, sir. Sergeant Powell, Al Powell, Dwayne Robinson, Powell. What's the deal here? What do these pricks want? Well, if you mean the terrorists, sir, we don't exactly know. We haven't heard a peep from them. Well, who have you been talking to? We don't know that either, sir. He won't give us his name, but he appears to be the one who phoned in the report. He's killed one terrorist for sure, and he claims he's capped off two others. He claims? Has it occurred to you? And then he gets cut off. So, I mean, we, we immediately get this this uh, this conversation between the two of them where if you think about mm-hmm. it, Powell says nothing here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, I mean, as much as we're all meant to hate, uh, you know, Dwayne Robinson, he's completely right with everything mm-hmm. he says here. You know, we'll wait and we'll wait until yeah. next week to see how that thing plays out and whether it stays that way. But right now, all of his questions are completely legitimate questions. You know, who have we been talking to and what do they want? And then the answer is, yeah. as well, actually, we're we're talking to someone who's inside, who's who's not one of the terrorists. And he claims, yeah, it's weird. He claims that that there there are three three terrorists dead. You know, and so his response saying he claims makes a lot of sense. It's like. Has it occurred to you? Yeah. You know, so we will have to wait until Monday to find out what, what he, what he thinks has occurred to him. But, but, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gives us the, the great insight into the, to, to the uh, dynamics between, you know, the cop on the, on the street and the bureaucrat, you know, as they're looking at the situation, mm-hmm. you know, there, it's the idea yeah. of, of being able to, to look at the situation you know, from from a more global perspective, uh, you know, just basically going backwards and and seeing things from from a a, a higher perspective, you know, a greater height of perspective. You know, in order to to take everything in, mm-hmm. you know, look at the whole the whole of the situation, not just the specifics, because Al is looking at the yeah. specifics, but here uh, Robinson is trying to look at the whole situation, how it's going to affect a lot of different aspects of of everything going on. Mm-hmm. you know and he, yeah it's so hard for us as the audience we like we've seen everything we've experienced everything that's right. going on we're like but when it when it is distilled down to those facts yeah it does sound like that to someone who's coming yeah. in like yeah we don't know who they are like we've just been talking to some random yeah. dude and and so for for robinson to be suspicious makes sense for everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. But again, we go back to the whole aspect that we discussed earlier this week. Everyone seems to be taking the terrorist threat a little too uh, unseriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, automatically there are no terrorists yeah. here. You know, next week we're going to hear him talk about the fact that maybe it was just a stockbroker who took a dive. You know, it's like, hello. <laughs> Someone called in a, a complaint about terrorists. Take it seriously. Assume, assume yeah. that there really are terrorists there. Yeah. Just, yeah, just how incredulous he is. He takes a tone with Al and he just got there. And it's like, 
why do you have to be so negative or have that sort of, you know, why can't you talk to him as, I mean, there's, there's a ranking system here. So he's a sergeant and Al is uh, the deputy no, chief of police. Yeah. Al's a sergeant, deputy chief of police. Yeah. So, so it's not exactly like he's talking with a colleague of like, you know, oh, what do we know? But no, and they just, also don't know each other. It feel like he's just talking down to him. Yeah. I just, I mean, and that's what bothers me about that point. And I mean, of course it's meant to be, we're painting Paul Gleason's character as another inept cop. Yes. And no. and that's the whole point of this. I Although, mean, we're not supposed to like him. He's not a character we're supposed to like. Um, if I remember yeah. correctly, in the in the novel, you also don't like Dwayne Robinson. You know, he's he's the same type of you know uh, yes uh, bureaucrat as they're in a. I, mm-hmm. I I think he's is he supposed to be younger? I'm I'm trying to remember. I, it's been a I, while since I, I finished. I'm only reading the, the the novel as things move along. So, oh, so wow, I, I, right. I read it year, I read it like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So I don't really remember. I mean, I remember what happens to Robinson, and I'm not going to mention that. I'm not going to yes. spoil that. Well, I just got to a page that has his name. He's only a captain in the okay. novel. So maybe there's that part, too, that technically Al out. No, a sergeant, a sergeant, a sergeant, sergeant doesn't that rank. Oh, no. No. Well, I, I am not. No, no, no. With that, so thank Sergeant, you for, Sergeant for doesn't outrank a captain, and and from okay. what I remember, also from the book, uh, Powell is supposed to be uh, pretty much a rookie. You know. Yeah, there's that too. You know, he's 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 yeah, he's, he's not. You know, Reginald Vell Johnson plays the character probably as someone who's who's in his late 30s, early 40s, but in the in if I remember correctly, in the novel, he he's supposed to be a relatively young uh, young sergeant. If I remember correctly, you you would yeah. probably know better than I would, because uh, you. I'm I'm looking. Because you've written an article remember, about it, but I feel like yeah, he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty young. It's been it's been a bit since I've read the novel. I I wanted to read it again before this, but I did not get around to it. So I've got my copy open here with some of my original notes from when I wrote the article. But no, I just flipped to the end because I remember what happens to Robinson yeah. in the novel, and I was just I knew he would be in the end, so I was looking for his name, and yeah, he was a captain in the novel, right. but. Uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I. Right. Yeah. So... Okay. So I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about this particular minute? Not really. I I do okay. not. Okay. All right. So first of all, we'll go into the to the script here. There there are a few little things here. First of all, I love the description in the script of Dwayne. It it says uh, exterior police operations mm-hmm. night. An unmarked police car pulls up across the street from Nakatomi Building, and a man in a sports coat climbs out. Stocky, his hair a little too perfect. The very fact that he is the deputy chief of police of operations on, on a Christmas Eve on a Christmas Eve gives some evidence to his position in the pecking order. His name is Dwayne T. Robinson, and he moves brusquely past police technicians and goes to the forward group of officers. And then they have their whole conversation. And so when Robinson gets there, he goes, Dwayne Robinson. Well, what have you learned? What do they want? And you know, then we have the the the, the typical responses that 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 Powell gives in the movie. Those those aren't really there. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a little slight okay. uh, discrepancy between them. Next week we'll have more things to say about him. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I just think that's funny. He's got a sports coat, but at the same time, if you're thinking, well, he might have been out somewhere celebrating. 
Christmas Eve Probably. that all of these people right, well, not all of them. might have been called from Not somewhere. all of them. Most of the, not all, most of the no, uniformed police are no. probably people who are either on duty or were on their way home. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't think it's uh, yeah. anything beyond that. You know. No. But just when I think of that description, it almost reminded me of Harvey. Yes. We talked about the other day. Just like, like to the the pretty boy sort of look that uh, coat and shorts, that I get right? from that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's a similar character that we didn't we didn't really don't really like Harvey. We don't really like right. Dwayne. Correct. But for different reasons. Different Harvey's reasons just an idiot. Sure. Dwayne is just a bureaucrat who thinks he knows everything. That's that's the difference mm-hmm. between the two of them. Yes. You know, so right. All right. So since this is the the last minute that you're taking part in you know, I'm sure that you have so much to say about the movie and other things that 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 happened. So, what are what are some points you you want to you would like to bring up about the the movie? Whether stuff that's happened before, stuff that's going to happen in the future. You know, what what are, what are some of the you know what are some of the things you you want to leave a lasting impression on the, the on on our listeners with? Well, I keep going back to the differences between the novel and the film, and I mean, our minutes do not have. Uh, Holly in them um, but Holly in the novel is that's Steffi, right his daughter Joe's daughter and so it's a completely it changes the way we see that relationship that now it's his wife versus saving his daughter and in the novel uh, Steffi is actually a little corrupt so she's had uh, she made makes like 40,000 a year but like spends all of it she's like out of control in her spending takes three vacations a year there's these quotes um and i think that she and the company which Claxton. is like Claxton, yeah, yeah. Claxton, Claxton oil Claxton oil Claxton yeah. yeah uh that they made a deal with um Chile or some people down in Chile uh that is like an arms deal almost so it's like some shady stuff that this company is doing and in the so in the novel, there's actually a political justification for the terrorists to be there. They're trying to teach. Well, that's what Hans wants to also. Hans wants to teach him a lesson. Um, well, yeah, there's but there's the there's we can't see that direct political motivation because he kind of has those. Hans has that grand speech in the beginning, um, but there's no real, uh, I guess, motivation that we can see that's very clear versus Claxon had this is like this corrupt organization. We don't right. know the same thing about Nakatomi, but uh, my original point on honing in on Steffi versus Holly is that he, trying to save your daughter, a little different than trying to save your wife and who you're right. trying to repair a marriage with. So there's, there's different ways to look at right. the novel. Well, well they, the they, they made up for that in, in and, the fourth Die Hard movie, you know, by having, you know, his daughter there. That's true. That's true. That's, I, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but there's, but his daughter is also pretty badass. <laughs> okay, like, true. like she's, she's great. Uh, but yeah, it's just a different way. Cause he's, his marriage is very much on the rocks in this movie. And his wife was in the novel. They divorced and she was dead. Sure. He thinks about her from time to time. I think her name's Karen in the novel, but yeah. So there's, there's those different. I always like I always like the connection uh, with, the, with the stewardess my... in, in the novel. I thought that that added 
a whole new dynamic yeah, to it. And there's so much more I mean, there. In they they actually have a cut scene from the movie within the first few minutes where he walks past uh, the the mm-hmm. stewardess who we only get a glimpse of the two of them eyeing each other in the in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. But there's a cut scene where they have an extended conversation, not as extended as they do in the novel, where mm-hmm. basically she comes on to him. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, uh, but I mean, obviously they cut it out for, for yeah. obvious reasons. But but in the novel, the whole fact yes. that that she you know he's got, trying to get in contact with her and she's the person on the outside trying to help and stuff like that. So I, I always like that aspect of it. There's a there's a random other character named Taco Bill in the novel too that has also has a CB radio, but I think he's like he's just I I think of him as um one of those people who's really into CB radio and just happens to mm-hmm. be on that okay. same frequency that night. So he just gets to interject himself into there's just, there's a lot of little nuances in the novel that, that are, that make it kind of fun yeah. seeing how it's translated yeah. into film. But I think overall, just the genres of the mall, I haven't gone back and read the detective. I think that would be very interesting to get more have you seen the movie on Joe Leland? I mean, there's the the Frank Sinatra yeah. movie. I All right, I've seen the, it twice. The it's, movie. It's um, not something I that I would expect. It, yeah. Uh, you know, Frank Sinatra to have been in. It was very gritty for 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 1968, yes. and my first choice of an actor would not have been Frank Sinatra for that. And so I I give him a lot of credit for taking <laughs> that role, especially given the fact that he had written in his contract, yeah. you know, that if they ever make another movie. With the character, he's got he gets first first uh, rights. You know that that would have been interesting yeah. seeing him here. I I think about that. <laughs> yes, but just to to have that sort of background um, going into nothing lasts forever, you know more about the character because you've read the previous book. Whereas in the the film, like we're just introduced to him, so it's kind of like a a blank slate. Even though it's supposed to be an adaptation, we don't quite have the same sort of relationship with John McClane. We come to it no thinking, you know, Die Hard, action movie, but I mean, it, I just go back to genre and being how, with how fascinated I am that go from detective to uh, thriller or suspense, and then it gets into action right. eventually. Exactly. Does, the, do, do you remember if Roderick Thought wrote any other novels with with the character Joe Leland? Ooh, you know, I do not know that off the top of my head i don't think so yeah because oh jolie lynn series so <laughs> you're, gonna, there, you're gonna see jolie lynn series there there are two different <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know I'm yeah, just, okay. i was just joking so that's not necessarily a great i was joking i was word. joking oh, I, no? I don't know how many okay. uh you know how many series there are <laughs> i do not i do not see anything after nothing lasts forever that would be really interesting to see it, I think there's I, just I think the based on what happens in the end of this novel, which we're not going to get into yet, I'll talk about that later on. I think it exactly. would be really hard for them to have created uh, another sequel to it. Again, just for anyone who's concerned, mm-hmm. Joe Leland makes it out alive. John McClane makes it out alive. But he definitely has a lot of uh, psychological baggage. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And that's that's that other difference is you don't really see that wear on John right. in this first film. Like he's happy to have 
to be reunited with Holly, but like the all the stuff about all these people that he's killed. And that's another reason calling back to my my top five diehard films, Becky, is the same thing with her. Like all of that, st- all the people that she kills. I mean, you know, going into it that if it's going to be like diehard that she's going to kill people, but you don't see a wear on her as much. There's kind of like a deadness to her eyes. There's not a deadness to... Bruce Willis does not have dead eyes, so it's not a similar sort of thing. But all of that has happened. And then he just rides off with uh, Holly and Argyle and all the weather outside (laughs) is frightful. Well, that's something I always love about movies. I love love that things can end and you always wonder, okay, what happens to Mm -hmm. the characters after this happens? So, you know, it's like things like that. The movies end. You know, I've I've always I've always dreamed of being able being able to to you know write five page synopsises of what happens after the end of a movie. You know, like what happens to the characters. <laughs> you know, even something like Forrest Gump. Okay, what happens mm-hmm. after five years later? You know, that, that type of thing. How does how does life continue, and things like that. You know, it's just, it's it's always fun to think about. That. And you're right with uh-huh. Die Hard. It's the same thing. You know, he, he and Holly get into the 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 broken. Uh, limousine and drive off with our girl, you know, that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. well, and we get to find out two yes. years later because then That's we get right. Die right. Hard 2, which die we will hard be is. discussing either <laughs> next season or the season after. That That is the plan. We'll have to see. So, so to answer your question, uh, so Al Powell cool. is a 22 year old Los Angeles police sergeant in, in the novel. Dwayne Robinson is the deputy yes. chief of police. Yes. Okay. Um, it's not Hans Gruber. It's Anton Little Tony the Red Gruber. That's his, you know, um, you mentioned yes. Stephanie Gennaro. Carl is Anton's right hand man. And ah, Leland kills uh, Carl's younger brother, Hans. Very interesting. They switched Hans and Tony in that, right? And uh, there, there yeah, is no Mr. Takagi. Is... It's Mr. Rivers. And we still get Harry Ellis. <laughs> yeah. Still there. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. that's the point of him, I guess. Still annoying. <laughs> All right. Well, Andrea, this this was so much fun. I, yep. I really appreciate you taking the time to 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 talk to me and to talk to everyone else on on your views of Die Hard. I, I hope you also had a fun time with this. You know, even though it wasn't too academic. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you so much for for inviting me to be a part um, of it. I'm very happy to. As I said, at the beginning of the week, I, I like getting diverse uh, perspectives on things and, you know, getting an academic perspective on it works really well. So anyone wanting to, to get in touch yeah. with me, the easy way to do it is just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go directly to my website, uh, moveyourupminute.com. If you want to get in touch with Andrea, again, all you have to do is just send send something to me, and I will pass it on to her, and we will be able to, uh, you know, if if you want a copy of of her of her article, just uh, you can get in touch with me. And I, I I think this is a great point for me to also mention that you know there is the the community of movies by minutes, which was was started uh, mm-hmm. over a decade ago by you know by the, the Star Wars minute with Alex Robinson and with Pete, Pete the, the retailer 
And as of today, there are uh, 212, I think, uh, or maybe 215 different movies by minutes that, that you can find. You can find, you can go to the movies by minute website, which is moviesbyminute.com, and you can find any of your favorite movies there. And as Jim O'Kane, the godfather of the movies by minute community, always says, you can listen to, to some of your favorite movies there. And if you see that your favorite movie isn't there, you can go in and create your own podcast about uh, movies by minute of your favorite movie. So the website is Movies by Minute. And once again, I want to thank everybody from that community to, you know, for getting me involved in this and, you know, having me enjoy, enjoy doing this so much. So once again, Andrea, thank you very much. This has been a really fun week. And I hope you will continue listening at least. And, and you know, you can always send in your comments. Yes. <laughs> you, can, you can tell me when I get things wrong. How's that? Or, or when I get things right, that could be awesome. <laughs> I'll be interested in seeing what other diehard movies people All put right. on their top five. Excellent. Well, you can then you can just come back for the last one, and I will tell you who what were the top five answers. But you won't hear. But you won't hear all Ooh, of them. Yes. Just the top five ones. So, but you still keep listening every well, week. You know, you just to show up every Monday. Definitely. If you just want to hear that. But I prefer that you come every day. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Okay. So until Monday, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay.